right, guys. Welcome to Don't Tread on America. I am your host, Don Q, and today's date is September 29th, 2021. Before we get into the show, I just want to give a big thanks to everybody out there. It's been a good month so far. Uh, my first full month of doing solo job here without the illustrious uh, Christopher J. McGillicuddy. Uh, who is still on his uh, hiatus. <laughs> um, but also want to give thanks to our sponsors, and let's not forget about them. Uh, we'll do one to, right now, and that is redcon1.com. Don't forget to click the click, clack, click, click, clack, clickety, click, clack. Click the link at the bottom of your whatever uh, podcast uh, app you're listening to us on. There'll be an, uh, a link there. If you go to that, you go to their uh, website get um, 20% off anything you uh, want to buy there. They have uh, protein powders, pre-workout, post-workout, intro workout, uh, clothing, whatever you want. Uh, for the promo code, hit T20 Quartermus, and uh, that promo code will also be in the uh, description uh, if you guys order something. Uh, just let them know that uh, PCGC sent you. T20 Quartermus on Redcon1.com. Okay, so today's show is going to be an interesting one because I'm going to talk about how we can tread on our government. <laughs> um, this is just something I was thinking about today, yesterday, and everything that's been going on in the world, or not even the world. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of stuff going on in the world and every country is dealing with much of the same stuff that we are here. Um, the biggest difference between other countries and, and us is that pesky document that our, thank God, our founding fathers wrote up back in 1775, 76, and that was the uh, Constitution, right? Because realistically, at this rate, with everything going on right now, that's the only thing standing in the government's way of doing what Australia is doing to their people, for example. Um, but before I get too, I don't want to get too far into the now of history. I'm going to go back in time. So what we're going to do is we're going to hop into the uh, the Wayback Machine. <laughs> And uh, and talk about history. Uh, I did it. We, you know, Chris and I did an episode a while back. I want to say it was maybe April, May, somewhere around there. And uh, it was our um, theory of who's who's running things. Okay, so we know that uh, Dipshit McGee's our president. Okay, if he's running things, whatever. I personally believe that he is just a figurehead. And. Um, you know, the episode was titled, uh, which is probably, I think it's actually our most downloaded uh, episode. And it's the uh, Rothschilds NWO. I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but um, Rothschilds and the NWO. And uh, the people that, the Great Reset and everything. We did a couple of different episodes on the Great Reset and, and the powers that be. And whenever I say they, I always throw up the quotation marks. Um. And like I said, this is 
the the Rothschilds and the 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 powers that be have been doing this and this has been an experiment america was an experiment of the nwo so i mean this isn't anything new this isn't like a 2020 21 thing hillary clinton this isn't this doesn't have anything to do with these people i mean it does because they're a you know it's basically like a chessboard they they are pawns on the world stage but america was to be the beginning of the great reset and what happened what what happened was much like in today's world there's people and it, and it, whether it's america australia wherever that um you know they're like hey this is bullshit we are we are human beings we we are not a pawn in your game of life god gave us free will and gave us the ability to think and act for ourselves now unfortunately there's plenty of sheep out there that don't believe in this and feel like the government, whatever country, okay, should tell them what to do and how to live their lives. And you see it every day. You go to the grocery store. You go wherever you go and you see them. You're wearing the mask. And it's not even so much when they're in the grocery store. Let's, let's just say people that are grocery shopping, okay, wearing the mask. Okay, if you feel that wearing that mask is going to keep you safe, so be it. More power to If you feel that getting this vaccine and wearing the mask and wearing gloves and wearing the face shield and all that shit is going to keep you safe, you know what? More power to you. And the reason I say that is because God gave us free will, right? The one thing that nothing, that no one person can affect is your free will, okay? You have the ability to dream and do whatever in the hell you want, because God gave us all that power, right? And of course, I'm going to get every freaking notification in the world. I haven't, my phone hasn't gone off all day, but right now that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm trying to be serious here. At any rate, um, I lose train of thought when this happens. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, there's plenty of people, like you go to the grocery store and you see them. And I have no problem with that. If you want to be masked up in the grocery store... Like I said, more power to you. I swear to God. <laughs> um, it's the ones that are driving in the vehicles by themselves that are masked up. Those are the people that believe that the government is acting in their best interest. That the government is here to, to save me. So I must, I must obey. The government knows better than me. And that's that. And I think the thing, and I'm really trying not trying to make this about Corona right now, but this is just something I'm thinking about. I think the thing that really, um, that bugs a lot of us, not just me, but a lot of us, a lot of us, especially the people listening to this and watching this on YouTube, is um, the fact that, you know, a year ago, okay, when, when President Trump was uh, talking about um, the uh, warp speed and getting the vaccine and, and getting all this stuff rolling, right? Uh, the people today, Biden, Kamala, you know, whoever, uh, Joy Reid, uh, the talking heads on MSNBC, CNN, whatever, we're all anti-vax. Like, you want to call me an anti-vax, 
okay, whatever. I don't really give a shit. Just because I don't want to take this vaccine has nothing to do with me being being or not being an anti-vaxxer. Okay? But these people, doctors, uh, you know, like I said, talking heads, politicians, whatever, whoever and whatever, were so anti this vaccine. Why? Because Trump. Okay? Nothing has changed about this vaccine other than Trump is no longer president. Fauci's still there. The people running the CDC are still there. The people at Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, they created the, the vaccines that were creating the vaccines a year ago are all still there. Nothing's changed. Okay? So for these people to say, uh, now the vaccine's great, well, they're hypocrites. Okay, whether they've gotten the vaccine or not, I don't know. You know, as far as I know, they got a needle in the arm. It could have been, you know, sugar water or, you know, whatever. Um, and then with, with Biden out there saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated causes division. And that's what this episode is going to be about is division. And when did it all start? And I'm not talking about division from the pandemic and Corona and all that. That's that's just a part of their uh, this is just another page in the episode of Division, okay? In my personal opinion, the Division, and this is going to sound weird, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying, and of course, I, people that know me know, okay? I'm not a racist, okay? You know, to quote the, uh, the late, great Martin Luther King, um without going into his whole speech, right? You know, we all know the speech, the uh, I have a dream speech, right? So the one key line of the speech, you know, the beginning was, you know, I have a dream that my little children will one day live in a nation where they not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And I want to, I, w- I believe that the majority of Americans, no matter what color they are, be it they're, they're black, they're white, they're Hispanic, they're Asian, what, whether they're from this country or they were born in another country and moved here legally, um, I believe we all see each other as human beings. We don't see each other as a black person or as a white person or as a Hispanic person, whatever the case may be. But we feel that we should, we should judge other people, man, woman, whatever, Basically, as you would want to be treated, right? So if you see a, a person, man, woman, of, of the opposite race, you don't treat them. Like if I see a person, if I see a black guy, I don't treat him as a black guy. I treat him as another guy, okay? Now, if he treats me some different way, then, you know, we'll cross that bridge. But I believe every person in this country just wants to be treated with respect. It has nothing to do with color, Okay? So by by that I'm saying that I personally believe, and this is going to sound weird because here I'm talking about uh, everyone living together and treating each other fairly and treating each other how you would want to be treated. But I wasn't, you know, I was born in the '70s, okay. And I personally believe, just reading history and being a person of history, that. Um, that oddly enough, I believe the division in this country started with the end 
of segregation. Okay, now I know that sounds completely ass backwards, but let me explain. Okay, so back in the 50s, 50s into the 60s, you had segregation, right? So if you don't know much about it other than the, the cliff notes, that's all I'm going to give you. I'm not going to go into a brief, the whole history of what happened. Obviously, we know back in the 1860s, you know, there was this little thing called a civil war. The North fought the South because the South wanted to segregate from, or not segregate, but succeed, succeed from the North, become its own country because it wanted slavery and yada, 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 right? So the North won, uh, abolished slavery, the 13th Amendment, then the 14th Amendment gave blacks the right to vote. The 15th Amendment gave them, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick because I did look it up. Well, I, I can't find it real quick because I'm not that quick of a reader, but nonetheless, gave them, in 13, 14, 15 minutes, gave them different rights as Americans, okay? But really, in the grand scheme of things, still America treated them as second-class citizens, even though technically on paper they had the same rights as white folks did, they weren't treated the same, Right? And that, you know, brings you into the 60s and into the civil rights era of, um, of desegregating. And by that, you, you know, you would go to, um, and the biggest problem with segregation, or getting rid of segregation, I should say, was in the South. You know, you had the, I'm sure people have seen it, where you had the, the bus, you know, uh, what was it, Rosa Parks, right? Get in the back of the bus, and the uh, dining halls, you had the, the colored entrances. The movie halls, you had the colored entrances. Uh, you had the black water fountains and the white water fountains. Um, the schools were segregated, you know, so on and so forth. So, obviously, today we don't, we don't think about how wrong that was because we didn't have to live it for the most part. Most of the people alive today didn't have to live that. Your parents may have and your grandparents more, most, left, most definitely did. But we... You know, I'm a 48-year-old man. I didn't have to live it. I wasn't a part of it. You know, my black friends that are, you know, around the same age weren't a part of it. Like I said, their parents maybe had to deal with some of it, but most definitely their grandparents did. So it sounds weird by me saying that the end of segregation was the start of the cause of the divide. And what I mean by that is this. You had... I don't, I don't know the population back, back then, but however many millions of people lived in this country back then, I would say the majority of Americans agreed with desegregation. And it wasn't to, for any reason other than they felt that we're all Americans, regardless of color, we're all here for the same purpose. You know, God sees no colors, I see no colors. You know, you treat me right, I'm going to treat you the same right? But you obviously had a small percentage of America, whether, whether it be in the South or wherever it was, that felt differently, okay? Which sparked the divide, okay? So even if it was only 20% of America that, that didn't agree with um, desegregation and you had the KKK and you had those people that were anti-desegregation um, and, you know, there was just funky laws. Like you hear nowadays, you hear a lot, you know, I think Biden at least once a week talks about the Jim Crow era and Jim Crow laws. And these were laws in the South by, mind you, Democrats 
that that you know pushed the segregation of the black man away from the white white people and it angered a lot of people so that was part of your division okay by by oddly enough by supposedly bringing people together it caused more division i know it's crazy but just just work with me and then um and i i honestly believe like you have people like back in those days in the 60s 50s and 60s you had um martin luther king which everyone knows malcolm x you had plenty of other unfortunately jesse jackson like back then jesse jackson was much in the guise of um martin luther king you know he's a reverend you know i mean nowadays al sharpton and, and jesse jackson in my opinion are just race baiters and they're just looking for the dollar i don't know <laughs> not to get off on a, a whole nother situation here but i don't know if you guys saw the clip of uh, al sharpton i think he was down in del rio texas with all this border thing of course with the with the border patrol whipping the haitians you know when it wasn't that and the residents of that of that area were yelling at um sharpton go home leave leave we don't need you here we don't need your race baiting here because obviously that's all he was doing but back in the day um jesse jackson wasn't that kind of guy okay he he believed in much of what martin luther king was saying and and i'm sure he still does but you know money talks okay um so i personally believe that that's part of the reason why martin luther king was killed you know um he was trying to help end segregation help the black man be a better you know a better person and better um you know do do all the right things you know of course he had plenty of famous quotes you know i read you the one speech um without going through all his you know because he was a great speaker and he was obviously a, a well-respected individual um but you know just some key things i was looking at some of his his top um not even speeches but top notable lines quotes um so one of the things that stuck out, this was uh, addressed at Holy or Holt Street Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955. So this was early in his career, so to speak. You know, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I started thinking about that. And obviously, he, in 1955, he was referring to segregation and the way the black man was treated by police and the government and whatever. But... <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, well, that has a lot to do. These words that this man spoke, you know, 65 years ago, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 65, 66 years ago, speak loudly today. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Think about that, what's going on right now, how that how they equates to uh, what's going on. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. A true neighbor will risk his position, his prestige, and even his life for the welfare of others. Once again, that was something he said in Birmingham at the Birmingham jail, uh, 1963. But think about it. I mean, everything that he spoke about was 
basically the injustice of the black man in the system and the white man system. And as badly as as people think black men or women, mainly men, because that's really what you hear about, are treated by police, it's back back then, I believe it to be 100% true. And it didn't matter that it was down in the South or in the North. I mean, most of his speeches were in the South, you know, whether it be Georgia, Alabama, wherever, because those were some of the worst states when it comes to uh, this, you know, civil injustice. But um, even even today, what he just said, or what, what he had said back then, equated to what's going on now, okay? Um, so this was from his book, The Strength to Love. There are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Once again, think about that in today's terms. Okay? Um, I'll be honest with you. I was reading a lot of these quotes, and I, I know very little about Martin Luther King, but it is something I'm going to delve into. Um, these quotes, as I start reading these quotes and I'm like, wow, these things 60 years old and they were about a whole different situation than what we're dealing with now in the sense of his words were spoken from a black man, you know, from a black man about how black folks, not even black men, but just black folks were being treated back then. And the injustice and the fit to die for and those those things were about fighting for the equal treatment of black folks and the the neighbor like in that in the one line here where he's talking about um where was it at uh da, 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 da. And, you know the true neighbor will risk his position his prestige and even his life okay so that has nothing to do with you know, a black man helping his black friend. I mean, because they were all in the same boat. It was more a situation of the neighbor. And it's not neighbor in the in the literal sense, like your neighbor next door to you, but your neighbor in life, your, your um, human being neighbor. Yeah, everyone's your neighbor, even if they don't live next to you. We're all neighbors in this world. And I, I believe that's where he was talking. And so when in his... Why, why I believe he was assassinated is because he was obviously trying to bring the world together, the world, the America together as one race, not black, not white, not whatever. But, and that's, you know, I was reading some stuff online and his family believes that he was assassinated by, I mean, the story is, you know, what was it, Earl Ray Jones or whatever his name was, uh, killed him in Memphis because he was a racist, KKK, whatever, and, you know, Martin Luther King was a black man, and he's speaking too much of fancy words, and he must die. But was it a situation like JFK in the sense that whether, whether uh, you know, he pulled the trigger or not, who cares, whatever, was he acting alone? Was Oswald acting alone? Was it a situation where he was put up to this by whomever? So, like, his family 
believes that uh, it was a, a, a converted a conspiracy, so to speak. Because, you know, when we say the word conspiracy, oh, it's fake. If it's conspiracy, it's fake. No, conspiracy means it was more than two people <laughs> or more than one person involved in a situation. Conspiracy theory is an idea of who those three, two, three, four, whatever people were. So, like JFK, the conspiracy theory is that Oswald didn't act alone. Uh, in this situation, it would be that James Earl Ray didn't act alone. I said Jones before. <laughs> James Earl Ray didn't act alone. Uh, and it, it, whether he pulled the trigger or not, was it a converted effort between him, the government, uh, I think they said the Memphis police, the mafia. You know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, but maybe it was the government in the sense that he was he was hitting home with too much truth. Okay? And as much as they were releasing the reins, so to speak, of uh, segregation and putting kids together in school and, you know, getting things to to the way we know it as today, um, the government didn't like all the truth talking, you know, which um, was probably, you know, it's all, you know, not to, I don't really want to make this about JFK, but that's probably another reason why he was killed. It was way too much, way too much opposition of what they, you know, the, the global elites wanted. Okay, so fast forward past, um, you know, JFK in the 60s and getting rid of uh, segregation, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things was a good thing, right? I think the government, I, I don't even want to say the government, I'm going to say the powers that be, okay? I'm going to use they a lot in this scenario. Um, so they make a lot of bad decisions, obviously. They believed getting, ending segregation would cause so much strife that would cause more division than having segregation. And what ultimately happened was it backfired on them. And, you know, you had folks like, uh, Martin Luther King, you had folks like Malcolm X, you had folks like you know, JFK, you had these leaders that wasn't about the, the great resets and the, uh, the global elitism and the, the uh, World Banks and the Rothschilds. They, they weren't on board with that, which is probably why a lot of those folks are dead, okay? Um, so you, you fast forward through time, okay? So when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, into the early 90s not to say I don't want to be ignorant and say that there was no racial injustice and there was no problems and there was no this and there was no that because obviously there always has been unfortunately and always will be right um, but I personally believe that any incident you see is planned so somewhat some of it could be copycat situations where it just seems like a good idea to go shoot up a school. But I believe that most of the things that happen in those situations is a way to move an agenda. Okay, and I say shoot up school. So, fortunately, we haven't had one in a while. But whenever a situation like that happens, whether it's a school shooting or the Las Vegas shooting or what was so you had Sandy Hook, you had Parkland, you had... 
I don't know, all the different school shootings. You had the uh, situation in Colorado. Shit, what was it called? Columbine. <laughs> you know, um, and it's always about, it's never about who shot who, uh, why they, why these boys or whatever got guns and how it was. It's always about the gun, right? And my theory on this is whenever there's a shooting, okay, of any kind, whether it's the, the Pulse nightclub that happened in Orlando, Parkland, Columbine, Aurora, awesome, um, anything like that, um, I never, I always say, my first question is, uh, you, oh, there was a shooting, mass casualties, blah, blah, blah. My first question is, what kind of gun do they use? And the reason I say that is because, generally speaking, as soon as you find out that it wasn't an AR-15, the conversation's over. And so it's not, in my opinion, it's not about who did what to whom and how many of those people were killed. It's not about that. You'll hear about it for a minute. But it's always got to be swerved in some sort of division to get rid of guns. To the, you know, more recently, you had the, uh, the guy up in uh, Atlanta, right? Shoots up the Asian massage parlors, right? So, as soon as it happened, it was like, oh, my question was, what kind of gun did he use? Okay, we'll come to find out. I believe it was a shotgun and a handgun and whatever. So, now, we couldn't focus on the gun because, it, it, you know, these are the guns they tell you to buy, right? If you, you don't need an AR-15, you just need a handgun, you know, or, or a shotgun to protect your home. You don't need an AR-15. Who needs an AR-15? Blah, blah, blah. Um, they turned it to a white guy killing Asian whatever, whatever, whether <laughs> massage parlor workers, you know, whether they were all Asian or not, whatever, so they could work it into a coronavirus, Asian hate, blah, 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 narrative. Anytime anything happens it can't just be god forbid it's just some white dude was sexually frustrated and lost his damn mind and he went to jack shacks all the time and he was pissed off because he couldn't get a girlfriend so he shot up the place god forbid the dude just had mental deficiency and that's what he did it's got to be some sort of hate okay god forbid the guy that shot up down in parkland that it could be it had to be about the gun. You know, I don't even remember the dude's name because it's irrelevant and I'm really getting off on a tangent. But I'm, I'm going somewhere. Where, trust me. Trust me. It, you know, it, we had to make it about the gun. Okay? God forbid it was about the fact that the kid was being bullied and picked on and he had a mental problem. You know, it's got to be about that. You know, the Pulse nightclub shooting. Now, it's a, it was a guy with an AR-15 shooting up a gay club. Blah, blah, blah. God forbid it could have been the fact that the dude was, you know, Middle Eastern and maybe it was more of a terroristic threat than a, and it had nothing to do with, or I mean, it probably did with him being Middle Eastern and being a gay club, but it, <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was, a, you know, point being is anytime anything happens, and that's why it's very important that if you do watch the news, if you watch whatever brand of news, I don't care who you watch, get multiple stories if you watch fox watch some cnn or msnbc or whatever if you watch cnn msc msnbc watch some fox if you don't you know like I, I tell you guys about the app i have on my phone where i get multiple uh variations of news from different sides and i can make up my own decision of of where the truth lies but they are some of the biggest catalysts of the hate 
which is why when when you say the they and the global elite, like I talked about, I believe it was on the last episode, where these news media outlets are run by corporations and they're part of the situation. They are part of the they. Okay? So fast forward into more recent memory of everybody. And we talk about... Um, you hear, you've heard a lot about, a ton about Black Lives Matter, right? And so I started researching this, Black Lives Matter, okay? And you hear the, well, all lives matter. Well, if you say that, you're racist. Well, no, I mean, my personal opinion is, much like J uh, Martin Luther King, right? All lives matter. You shouldn't be judged on the color of your skin, but the content of your character. So in that, in that case, yeah. Black lives matter, white lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, Asians lives matter. So why wouldn't it just be easier to say all lives matter? Why do we have to diversify down to a, a, a color, right? Police lives matter. Oh, all lives matter, okay? Period. Anyway, so I started thinking about this. When did we first start hearing about Black Lives Matter? Okay, some people that don't know any better would probably say George Floyd, Okay. Or you might bring up Breonna Taylor. Or you might bring up, um, you know, Michael Brown. Um, so, oddly enough, Black Lives Matter started in 2013. Or it became, I shouldn't say it started. As, as we know Black Lives Matter now is a, is a coalition of, a group of people, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an entity. But it actually started with a phrase or a hashtag back in 2013 with the death of Trayvon Martin. Okay. Now, I say it started with a phrase or a trend or a hashtag on Twitter and I'm sure probably on Facebook and whatnot. And what I mean by that is this goes into the, the social media's role in division. Okay. And I'm just going to say social media because it doesn't matter what it is. Okay, whatever you consider social media, we'll just count it. Okay, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, what else? Uh, TikTok, you know, whatever, whatever you use, all the above, Snapchat, whatever. So it started out as a hashtag. So who started the hashtag? Was there a one person that said, uh, you know, and I, I found an article, but I don't think it actually goes into that, into that deep of a, of a who was the first person to say that. Let's see. Cam campaign was co-founded by three black women. Alicia Garza. Patrice Cullors. Patrice Cullors. Which she's actually I think the the leader. Or the president. Co-president. Whatever. And Opal Tomateri. Tomiti. I'm sorry. As uh, responses for the police killing of black people. The phrase Black Lives Matter was first used on Facebook post by Garza. So there you go. So Garza, after Zimmerman, was found not guilty. Okay. Uh, Kohler's recognized the power of Garza's word and created the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And the campaign was born. So it basically started as a campaign which was pushed hard by Twitter and Facebook. Now, I say this as a... In these three ladies have every right to to say what they want to say. And if they believe Zimmerman did whatever because Trayvon was black, so be it. I'm 
I'm not here to argue that fact. Um, what I'm here to argue is the the uh, social media's effort to continually push division. These three ladies were upset because of what happened. Not even so much upset because Trayvon was killed, but because of the person that did it was let off, essentially. So, point being is if, if a black man killed a white kid for whatever reason, if it was the same situation, and instead of George Zimmerman, it was, you know, some black guy killed some white kid that went to 7-Eleven to get an Arizona tea and Skittles or whatever it was that Zimmerman, or that uh, Trayvon Martin had gotten. And uh, the black guy shoots the kid and gets off, and they start a hashtag, White Lives Matter. How long do you think that would trend on Twitter? Or would it even trend? Would the person that first started the trade uh, hashtag get kicked off of Twitter? You know, more than likely. So that's where I believe social media is partially responsible of the division of this country. So you have the they, the powers that be, the global elite, whatever you want to call them. And then it branches down. So it branches down. You got the media. You got the social media. You got... Uh, your governments and and this isn't a an American thing this is a worldwide thing I'm focusing on people in America because I can't speak on so, social justice leaders in England and Australia that's something that I can I'll do more research on and you know this show we're, we're going into 40 minutes now more than likely I'm going to go ahead and part two this this will be part one I'm going to keep talking here for a little bit we'll end it and we'll go into part two. But my, my point is, so I personally believe that when this hashtag caught on in 2013, it got them interested. And, okay, so here's another way we can utilize people's anger of white uh, authoritarianism versus black whatever i don't want to kids adult it doesn't matter if they're kids i mean it does matter obviously we don't want anyone to die but i'm just saying um it quickly turned into a situation of trying to accentuate a horrible situation okay first of all zimmerman wasn't a cop i think he may have been a security guard and I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think he was on duty at the time. I mean, shit, that was eight years ago. Um, I think he was at home, saw the kid, you know, whatever. Um, you know, as time moved forward, obviously, they the um, BLM became more of a movement. Other than a hashtag, it became a movement, right? It became an organization, so in 2014, so roughly a year after um, the Trayvon Martin situation, you had a situation in New York City with uh, Eric Gardner. Now, if you don't know much about that story, I'm not going to read the newspaper article. I don't have it, but I wouldn't read it. But the, the basic idea was, and you probably, once I speak on this, you'll remember a lot of this stuff, and you'll remember the videos and the stuff you saw on, on the news uh, but basically, Eric Garner died in New York after a policeman put him in a chokehold while arresting him. Um, if I recall the story exactly, 
<laughs> it's interesting reading this article because this is I just read I just looked this up on uh, the crux of the BLM and how it got started and whatnot. And it and it's a, it's a good little article because it just kind of gives you the highlights. And I, I don't want to skip through all these highlights, but 2014 was a big was a big year for Black Lives Matter. And my how time passes because as I'm speaking on this, I remember the things happening and I remember a lot about the case and, and the situation of what had happened. And then you start thinking, well, shit, 2014, well, damn, that was seven years ago. Boy, geez Louise, time flies, right? Anyway, so Michael Brown rested, if you recall the video, uh, being choked um, by the police officer. I don't recall that there was or wasn't a lot of resisting. I know if I remember correctly, he was selling illegal cigarettes or non I don't know the, the terminology, but it, nonetheless, he wasn't walking down the street minding his business. He was breaking the law. Did he deserve to die? No, obviously not. Uh, I don't recall that he was uh, resisting arrest or not, but point being, that's not the point of this article. Whatever happened, and the policeman that did this, it was put all over the media, in your face, and and the fact that I can't even sit here and tell you, number one, who the police officer was. Was he charged? Was he convicted? What was Eric Gardner even being arrested for? Obviously, states the point that I remember the video. I remember him being choked, you know, choked. And I remember that I can't breathe. I remember that. And the reason that is is because the media want you to remember that. They want you to remember that it was a white police officer, a black man, and the specifics of the case doesn't matter. Okay? Then later in that in the year, so that was in July, and then in August, um, in uh, Ferguson, obviously we all remember that, right? Michael Brown was killed um, by police officer. And it was, it's interesting because I'm reading this right here. So then in August, unarmed teenager Michael Brown was killed by a gunshot from a police officer, Darren Wilson. It was later decided that there was not enough evidence to charge Wilson. Uh, but if you recall, and this is probably like when the Garner uh, thing happened in New York, there was some protesting, but nothing major. Like when Trayvon Martin, when that happened, I don't recall there being any much of any protesting there may have been some especially after Zimmerman was um, found innocent um, and same thing with Gardner I don't recall there being a whole lot of protesting and it was probably the same situation but but it's almost like okay so 2013 Trayvon Martin okay well that didn't really kind of that didn't, you know, okay, we got the Black Lives Matter. Oh, that's interesting. Black Lives Matter. Okay, so let's see. How can we use that? 2014, Eric Gardner. Damn, that, that really didn't work. 2014, a month later, uh, Michael Brown. Well, it's interesting because depending on what news outlet you, you watch or you read, all we ever heard was Michael Brown killed by Darren Wilson. Darren Wilson's life was ruined after this whole thing went down. Okay. Did Michael Brown deserve to be shot? I don't know, but I will say this. The facts of the matter are this. Fact. 
Michael Brown was only being stopped by the police because he had just robbed a, a convenience store, a bodega, whatever you want to call it. There was video of him, and he didn't rob it with a with a you know a shotgun and go in there and hold up the place. But uh, uh, he basically was shoplifting. The, the owner tried to stop him, and he pushed the owner and walked out with whatever he was getting. Um, the uh, you know obviously he called the police. Description, blah blah blah. Darren Wilson sees him walking down the street in the neighborhood, stops him, uh, gives him commands to, to do whatever, get on the floor, you know, get on the ground, do this, that, and the other thing. And um, he, uh, he, um, I'm sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> he uh, started to obey, but then fought back, okay? Went for Darren Wilson's gun. Darren Wilson then shot him, killed him. Okay. Uh, that got the shit rolling as far as BLM, uh, riots, uh, peaceful protest. Because um, I'm reading this both peaceful protest and riots followed, much of which was done under the banner of hashtag Black, Black Lives Matter. In response, co-founder Patrice Cullors organized Black Lives Matter's ride, which draw, uh, drew a gathering of 600 people and sparked the founding of more localized Black Lives groups. Um, so that, that pretty much started the, the ball rolling as far as Black Lives Matter. Now, was Black Lives Matter founded by these three ladies because they were pissed off because of what they felt was injustice of police officers and black, I, I'm going to say men, but it wasn't just men. There was obviously some females involved also, but for at the time it was these um, few individuals. Yeah, I believe so. I believe there were genuinely three black ladies pissed off, felt that black men, black children, Trayvon Martin was a kid. I mean, I don't know exactly how old he was. I want to say he was like 16 or so. Um, were being felt being treated wrong. So I think initially the idea behind the hashtag Black Lives Matter and the movement was generally from the heart. But then they got involved. And I I personally believe, like I said, I think that anything that happens isn't out of chance. Nothing happens by chance. And I think the government, I, I, I say the government, I, I don't want to use the government because I, I really don't think that everybody in the government is bad. I think there are bad actors in the govern, government and I believe that most of the per people in the day are government officials of some sort, okay? I also believe that a lot of the they aren't. I believe they're leaders of industry, leaders of companies, Leaders of, you know, they, they're the money men, men, money people in these scenarios. So any way they can push divide, the best way to do it is color. The best way to push divide is color. So as a white man living in Florida, you start seeing uh, the Trayvon Martin thing happen in Florida. Eric Garner in New York. Uh, Michael Brown in um, St. Louis, right? Missouri. 
And then the following year, you had a couple of different situations. Um, most notable that of the names that I'm looking at was the Freddie Gray. Uh, 2016, let's see. Uh, Deborah Denner and Elton St uh, Sterling saw Hunter protest take a cross. And I, I don't... Those names don't sound familiar to me, so I don't know the, the precise situation of, of um, what had happened. Um, but as years went by, it was constantly, anytime anything happened, we had to use the Black Lives Matter. You know, then you had the basketball players get involved. You had NFL get involved. You had, you know, uh, Justice Warriors. And, and like I said, I think it was all in a guise of division. The more that we could divide this country and we could do it by race, the better better off they are. So, with that being said, I'm going to end it there, okay? And this will be part one. And uh, the, the title of this episode is going to be called United We Stand, Divided We Die, okay? Um, had an interesting conversation with a gentleman the other day, and he made a good point of, of what's going on. And I'll get into that in the next part. Um, that way I can get you the guys to come back for more. So <laughs> on, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and end the show today. I uh, want to thank our other sponsor. Of course, you know them as Smooth My Balls. That's smoothmyballs.com backslash DTOM. And also remember that we are a brand ambassador for Maker's Mark Bourbon. And uh, please, guys, if you like this video, you check me out on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give me a like, um, share this video with your friends, uh, turn them on to the DTOM experience. Um, I've only done a few videos, so there's not a whole lot there on YouTube, but it's something that we're rolling along with. Uh, but more importantly, if you could move everybody to the podcast, check us out. If you're listening to us on Apple, Google, Podbeam, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, please, guys, I've said this time and time again, the the best way for this thing to grow is for you to to share uh, with your friends. Uh, the more that we can get this word out, the more I can do things, the more research I can do. I am a, literally a man of one. I'm finally back on Twitter. I don't know if I should say that because I might get kicked off again. But nonetheless, that does help with some of the research. Um, but uh, if you could please, uh, if you're listening to me on Apple especially... If you could please uh, give me a good good rating, give me a five-star preferably, and please share this content with all your friends. Um, and the reason, I don't, I don't know exactly how Google Play works, but I know on Amazon, Spotify, Podbeam, you can like the episodes. That would be great. But on Apple, which is where like I think 40-something percent of the people that listen to the show are listening to me on, um, the ratings there really matter because... If people listen to, you know, Dan Bongino or uh, Glenn Beck or those types of uh, individuals, if he if they're listening to their podcast, the um, they have you get suggestions. Like I have iPhone, so I, that's the only reason I noticed. So you have suggestions. Oh, if you like uh, bon Dan Bongino, you might like Glenn Beck. If you like Glenn Beck, you might like Don't Tread on America. So the better, the more ratings I get, the higher they go. The more I'll get into those cues of suggestions and get more followers and then we can get this thing we can get this thing really cooking really cooking so check me out uh like and subscribe uh and don't forget about our social media profiles 
That's Facebook.com backslash Don't Tread on America, Instagram.com backslash Don't Tread on America, and Twitter at Twitter.com backslash DTOM underscore 1775. And if you want to uh, hit me up personally on Twitter, it's, uh, what is it, shit? I think it's PCGC. Let me look. Let me look here real quick. I don't even know. See, I'm so new, renewed to Twitter game, I forgot what my handle is. <laughs> it is at PCGC underscore 1775. So check me out there. You can direct message me on Twitter. You can send me stuff. You can do whatever you want. So check me out on Twitter. And on that note, I'm going to bid you guys a fair adieu. And I will be back Friday with part two of United We Stand, Divided We Die. And I'm going to tie all of this in, what I just said in this past um, 50-some-odd minutes, into where we're going. So you guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. I'll see you then.